This is Gene Lance on the Workers' Speak. I'm joined a few of my friends at Oak Cliff Democrats to talk about what's coming up in 2021. So, James, how, what do you think? What's going to happen in 2021? Oh, gosh, we were just talking about redistricting. Yeah. Oh, no, Texas will re be redistricting, won't it? Yeah. Uh, it won't be over by the end of 2021. Heck, the 2010 redistricting is still going on, isn't it? Being fought uh, in the courts? Oh, I think yeah. So, yeah. So Texas redistricting is going to be run by the state house, and the state house is run by the Republicans. Oh. Yeah. As it has been since 1996, I think. Yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't flip Texas. I was really hoping we would. I wanted to see all those 38 uh, electoral votes go to the Democrats so we would finally get Republicans interested in a popular vote for president because you know once <laughs> <laughs> Texas gets all those electoral votes, we'll get everybody on board for that. Well, didn't some of the Democrats do very well? I mean, didn't they come within yeah, they did. With oh, pretty they close did. margins? That's true, and that's what we're still looking at. But it, it just really hasn't turned happened. on not going door to door. We did the response. Yeah. It didn't go door to door. The Republicans mm -hmm. went door to door, and the Democrats did not, right? And who got sick? <laughs> the Republicans got sick, but they also won the election. <laughs> and I think that's one of the reasons that we got the Bum Steer Award for Texas Democrats. Is that uh, right? What is the Bum Steer Award? It's from Texas Monthly, and uh, they do that every year. And they're, the magazine just came out last week, and pieces of it are delightful, but uh, some of it are kind of stings. Doug, well, what's your assessment of the election? You follow these things really closely. Well, I mean, we did far better than we had in past years, simply because we had huge voter turnout. But the problem is still that that we are not, we're not getting more than the other guys, more importantly, we're still not turning the suburbs the way that uh, we really need to, to to get statewide officials elected. You know, we had a neighbor who was running for Texas Railroad Commission. She yeah. was an excellent candidate. She had excellent. the qualifications. And here, here's the problem. It doesn't really matter if you can't get enough votes to get her in. And that's been the problem for years. And, you know, whether you argue around the edges about whether, you know, Beto should have run for Senate or MJ Hagar or Royce West was a better candidate. Reality is we don't need necessarily better candidates. We need better voter turnout. And yeah, but Doug, it's what hard. difference does it make if somebody's on the Railroad Commission? I mean, after all, the Texas Railroad Commission, what do, what do they actually do? Well, uh, they, they regulate the oil and gas. That's only that's only a rumor. They don't really regulate oil and gas. They make handouts to the oil and gas companies. What they really do is make the trains run on time. If you think that's the truth, I've got a web page for you. What they really do is what they really do is is manage handouts for the oil and gas and yeah. Uh, yeah. big favors and permits. That that's their big thing. And you know, for example, some of the major issues have been so, yeah. so people pay attention because Railroad Commission, that's a stupid name for it. They, yeah. they need to rename it so people pay attention. And the last the legislative session, there was a proposal to rename the Railroad Commission, the Texas Oil and Gas Commission. Who scuttled it? The Republicans the scuttled it. You know why? 
because nobody knows that the Railroad Commission does. Yeah. You know, it goes back, most people don't realize how far back the Railroad Commission goes. It was actually one of the uh, products of the populist movement during the late 1800s. Yeah. It was put in place to start regulating the railroads and protect farmers from yes. price predation by the railroad monopolies. This is the oh, it Texas was an originally an anti-monopolist tool. This was the Texas People's Party. And Texas yes. People's Party, that's right. And you know, most people have no idea that's what the history was, but that was that's huge. how it started. Well, most people don't even know that the Texas People's Party ever existed. Well, most people don't know the Texas People's Party started in Weatherford, so that's even scarier. Wow. It started yeah. in Weatherford? I know they had a convention yeah. in Cleburne. Mm -hmm. Yep. A big very, very popular in uh, North Texas, in fact. Mm -hmm. Wow. The labor stuff that they tried to work with the Knights of Labor, that didn't work out so well, and in the end, that all failed. But it did push forward a lot of reforms later on and anti-monopoly laws and things like that, like the Sherman Antitrust Act, just way well, down the road. While you're telling us about the Te Texas People's Party, maybe you can tell us whatever happened to it. Well, <laughs> the Texas People's Party, eventually, we had something called fusion voting here in Texas. And most states had that. In fact, uh, there are only a couple states left that still have that. New York is one, for example. But essentially what happened was they, they raised some fusion candidates, several of whom wound up being governor of Texas and things like that. And of course, if you're familiar with Williams Jennings Bryan, he was a fusion candidate at a national level who was part of the People's Party. He was endorsed by the People's Party and by the Democrats. And uh, he, but the Democrats he, he took over. He was yeah. running for president. He was running for president, correct. So, you know, we've had this history of third parties, in this case, back when they had the ability to get on the ballot statewide, which was not always the case, able to, you know, at least influence some legislation, influence state government, things like that. But they folded up pretty much around the early 1900s and kind of died off in part because of a whole series of changes to fusion voting, which is one thing. A uh, big push by the extremely wealthy to cut back on their ability to basically bring out candidates and things like that. And there are some other things that split up. Now, there is a remnant of that party still in existence in the South, but it became a very uh, white supremacist party. And it's really, it's a fringe group. It's not, doesn't but, exist as an organization. But the Texas People's Party was, was anti-racist, actually. Yes, it was. As a matter of fact, that was one of the most important things about it that most people did not ever hear about, that they brought black and white farmers together, although not always successfully in the same locations at the same time, but they did merge their interests. So, so you guys are, you guys are the Oak Cliff Democrats. So you don't have anything to complain about. I mean, you've got Congressman Mark Vesey, yeah. for example, a very progressive congressman. And, uh, and uh, I don't know if all of you have Gonzalez for state rep. Yeah. I do. We do. Anchia. Yeah. We've got Anchia. And Anchia is generally considered to be on the progressive side. Cliff, the Democrats have pretty well prevailed. I guess that's all due to your efforts. Other parts of the city of Dallas are not nearly as happy because yeah. they had these really close races for the state house and lost some of them just by very few hundred votes. Again, 
again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Look, so as a as an immigrant and an outsider, can I ask, and you may have discussed this at a previous meeting, what did people think of the organization at the county headquarters downtown? Okay, who's got an opinion on that? To be honest with you, overall, I felt that the Democratic Party, as it currently operates in Dallas County, has been extremely effective compared to what it was back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Helen, I'm not sure how long your experience goes with our party, but Democrats and dysfunction were kind of synonyms <laughs> for, I can't tell you how many decades. The fact that we haven't had rotating party chairs every 16 minutes is uh, and, and, you know, if you're familiar with the Democratic Party, you know that there are a wide variety of groups that are not necessarily all in harmony. And we have been very fortunate that we've been able to get a couple of really good county party chairs who kept those folks in the room talking and working together. Our, our coordinated campaigns have done very well. Now, where there are weaknesses, everybody recognizes there are always problems with never enough volunteers, never enough staff, there's never enough money for all of this. The Democrats still, unfortunately, tend to be here in Dallas. The wealthy Democrats tend to get the national causes and national races, not to local development. And there's still a huge problem in that the Democratic Party as a whole, more so statewide, is more of a, an election-driven machine, not a permanent party apparatus. So if you're familiar with parties, for example, in Europe, even in older cities in the U.S. where they have more of a permanent presence, you know, precinct chairs have a lot more power, a lot more influence. They can deliver services to some of their constituents. We don't have that capability at all and in Texas. The Dallas County Party is trying to do more like doing Meals on Wheels and projects like that, trying to be, they handed out food to people just recently. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, oh, they're doing a blood drive. Yeah, they they do blood drives every month. Yeah. Isn't it isn't it true though that the Dallas Democrats are the pride of the state of Texas? I hope. Yeah, they should be. Now, is that pride as in a group of lions? <laughs> I, I, I get confused. English language confuses me. Isn't it true that the Dallas Metroplex led the trend? Yeah. Or all of the Metroplexes. In Texas, yes. no Democrat. Uh, yeah, and actually it was one of the first of the county parties to formally create training and development processes for precinct chairs. I, I did precinct chair training for many, many years. We had the first coordinated campaign. Yes. Mm -hmm. And remember in Texas, that, we elected judges and a lot campaign. of down ballot folks. So that was very important. The yeah. coordinated campaign tamed some of these wild, crazy candidates. There you go. And got them to pulling together, or at least better than they had before. So is it not true that the coordinated campaign was really a, a big asset for Texas Democrats? Yes. Yes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm planning to have dinner with Teresa Daniel pretty shortly, so I may be leaving. But Teresa had very high compliments for all the work that had been done by the county. And I would anticipate uh, that Carol Donovan would probably agree as well. Yeah. Now, Teresa Daniel, of course, is a, is a county commissioner and has exactly. been in office ever yeah. since Dallas became a Democratic uh, area. 
Exactly. Of she's course. handily on all of her, this is her third uh, term that she's serving. So we in the AFL-CIO, we take credit for the whole thing, you know. Good. We, Good. <laughs> we well, if, if somebody won, it's because of what we did. Labor they lost, well, we, you know, we just didn't notice that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nevertheless, Democrats in Dallas have done well by comparison. And Oak Cliff Democrats, I think, have done ex exceedingly well. Yes. So we're this blue island we're in the, the sea of red. We're the bluest pixel in the bluest county in Texas. Oak Cliff rocks. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's going to happen next? Who wants to make a prediction for 2021? Well, what's we going to happen ready. in Texas politics or local politics or Oak Cliff politics in 2021? Uh, well, we've got city council races coming up again, which I didn't want to think. Well, I, I'm looking forward to the super spreader event that will start in Austin here in a couple of weeks. Oh. Uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to uh, sit up there and look at the cameras and see how many Republicans are not wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. wow. And this is when we usually go down there, like Tara, oh, the some of the groups go down to Austin. I guess we're oh, yeah. not doing it this time. I have seen all kinds of discussions about how the various lobby days are going to be held and more than likely we are not going to be going inside in person there may be some outside outdoor rallies but i we can't see virtual events uh, and virtual events but i can't see a lot of in-person lobbying like we used to do every it, it uh, comes up every two years the dallas the texas legislature sits every two years it sits for 180 days every two years and the joke goes that the texans wish they would only uh, meet for two days every 180 years. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because well, since watch the, your wallet. The legislature's in session. Yeah. Since the Republicans have been in charge, and actually even before that, we have more bad memories of the Texas legislature yeah. than we have good ones. Isn't there noise about creating it every year? Oh. It every year. I I don't know. I hadn't heard that. Uh, oh. There has been noise about that for decades, and uh, every year, every year, every session, somebody talks about it. Requires a constitutional amendment, which, if you've seen the Texas Constitution, we do those hundreds of times. But there are an awful lot of folks in Texas who think the best amendment would be to abolish the legislature. Uh, so you know, nice. it's kind of scary to think of. But what hand it over to the governor? Well, oh. the legislatures yeah. crazy. They have crazy bills up there. And I'm always biting my nails, just waiting for it to end. Yeah. So having it all the time would be kind of a horror until we elect better people. Don't most other states have a continuous legislature? I think they do. Yes. Yeah, most states do. And definitely all the large states. I can uh, only think of one really good thing that they've done recently. And that had to do with the state representative, Victoria Neave. Yes. From just on the east side of Dallas. Yep. Lakewood. And she was able to get them to start using some of the rape kits that had been piling up for decades. And so some, some rape cases are getting solved because of the work that she did. And she did that in her first term. And that seems like a nonpartisan issue, she's but I'll been, bet there was a lot of arm twisting. She's been really well received on both sides of the aisle. She's done really well. I'm real proud that we walked walks for her. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, and you know she's she's been extremely good, and it's hard to find an equivalent on the GOP side. We are just not seeing the GOP being responsive to working people in America. They're more yeah. responsive to them with lots of bucks, unfortunately. I know that when when the AFL-CIO leaders speak about the legislature, they always say, we were able to stop this bill or we were able to stop that bill. Yeah. But yeah. they almost never say we were able to pass anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The joke goes that there's one way to pass things through the Texas legislature and 200 ways to stop it. There you go. They meet, the te- Texas AFL-CIO meets every morning during the legislature in a room that they call the war room. Yeah. And then the labor lobbyists go out all over the legislature, generally trying to stop the most awful legislation because every year they propose things that would cut wages, take away the right to organize, take away the right to exist because they take away a union's ability to collect its dues. And uh, these attacks come coordinated nationally by a group called ALEC, American Legislative Executive Committee, of which Texas is a very prominent part. Oh, sure. And then Texas has certain outstanding politicians that everybody in the nation knows about. Who's your favorite, James? Louis Gohmert. <laughs> no, that's not. That's Louis Gohmert. <laughs> Louis Gohmert is a, is a U.S. congressman from Tyler, Texas, about what, 60, 80 miles east of Dallas. Ugh. And uh, you know what he did today? No. It, he's what? in the paper every day. Oh. He's, ur- he's urging. Oh, he he's sued suing. the vice president of the United States. That's a, yeah. Yeah, oh, he's suing funny. Mike Pence. Yeah, he's suing Mike Pence. So he's showing what an idiot he is. He's trying to force Mark, Mike yeah. Pence to, to throw out ah. the, the American democratic system <laughs> and all elections and the election. <laughs> That's Louis Gomert. I hope oh, you know that, that he had a landslide victory. No. I know, and we heard from Hank. And he said Hank he was getting Gilbert. crowds, Hank Gilbert. but it didn't matter. Hank Gilbert was getting crowds, but these thugs came out With and, guns. Broke, and broke it up. Those yeah. pro They actually had thugs break up an outdoor rally uh-huh. yeah. with the cooperation of the local police Yeah, in, in Tyler. So that's they, they made a great video of that. Well, so Texas is facing some really big challenges in 2021. Well, you know what the, the union lobbyist problem is down there? They're not spreading enough graft around. Uh, Go to Washington uh, and learn yeah. how to do it. Get all those K Street people <laughs> to spread the money around. They don't have enough money. Can you yeah. remember remember when uh, Bo Pilgrim, who owns uh, Pilgrim's Chickens, yep. mm-hmm. went down Bo on the checks. legislature floor, this was like three sessions ago, and mm-hmm. handed out, personally handed out $10,000 checks. Yeah, the floor of the legislature. Yeah, yeah. That was in the news. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes, they did. That's what they think of well, the legislature. In Washington, they did that too. They, they did they, they do it on the floor or yes. they did it behind the scenes? They had during Tom Delay's. Uh, oh, Tom time, Delay. They, they went and handed out checks on the floor of the U.S. I heard one rumor that they, somebody was going to try to stop them from carrying guns inside <laughs> the Capitol building. Oh, inside. That's going to be a losing proposition because presently, if they have a gun, they get the head of the line. 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't have to stand in line if you have a gun. Last time we went on a lobby day, they had a concealed carry uh, line, and then the rest of us, and We're nobody was our ass in off that. that. Yeah, <laughs> nobody was in that gun line. Well, yeah. But if you have a gun permit, you can get to the head of the line. If you have a gun permit, you can go ahead to the head of the line. So the labor, then, the labor lobbyists all have to pay for gun permits, whether they have a gun or not, <laughs> just to get in. Well, I noticed that when I when I was going in, most of the lobbyists had their concealed handgun licenses and were going bypassing security. Oh, well, so can get in quick. And oh, okay. see, we when we went, they hassled James for something you had nail clippers or something you were carrying. Yeah. And they they wanted him and something beeped and. It was like, oh, your belt buckle or something like that. Meanwhile, they've got a concealed carry line that Walking where you could just go through with a gun. And then well, now keep in belt. mind that gun control in California didn't exist until the Black Panthers showed up, exercising their rights at the wow. state capitol. It could happen again. Organize, yeah, organize, yeah. yeah. That's a great way to end my little podcast. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.